Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is about looking ahead 25 or even 50 years into a congregation's future and making some plans. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so we had a congregational meeting this past weekend, mm-hmm. and this was part of the meeting, correct? Absolutely. So what brought about the need for looking ahead 25 to 50 years? Why would you do this? I think that this is something that you have a lot of people who always ask questions. What are your five and 10 year plans? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. And there is something very unique about the time in which we are in right now. It's How so? Well, we've talked before about the 500-year shift. Yes. And so there's a big historical shift happening in Christendom in general. Beyond that, there's a big economic shift happening in North America, in the United States. Well, I was going to say, usually that question gets asked of me by a financial planner of some sort. Exactly. Okay. So... When you are looking at a big organization or looking at something and trying to be careful and prudent and a good steward of resources, it's important to take the temperature of organizations from time to time. Okay. And we've been really lucky to be a part of several different opportunities to take the temperature, so to speak, of Central three times over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Right after I got here, and then again two years later, and again two years after that. So we have lots of data across these five years to tell us how we're doing health-wise in lots of different areas. And this year we took that data and we paired it with financial trends of the congregation and financial trends within the larger socioeconomic structure of the country. And pulling those things together, we found we're in a really unique time. And now is when we need to have some big conversations. Okay. I was going to say, how do you get from two years, two years, two years to 25, 50 years? Right. So what we have seen over these two-year, two-year, two-year marks, Mm -hmm. what we have seen from the vitality surveys is that this congregation has consistently developed over these five years an ability to have hard conversations, to discuss things with differing opinions. Okay. And to be hopeful and to see our abundance and to see our potential. Okay. And so because we've seen that and because we have developed that and we have proof that we've developed that through this survey. So what you're saying is we're not giving up. We're not giving up. We have so many skills. We have so much in our tank, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as far as even our generational breakdown, we have almost 10% in every decade from zero to 100 in this congregation. That's pretty amazing. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. And decades that have less than that, where a couple others have more, make sense, right? Okay. And we don't have 10% in the 90 to 100 decade, for example, because, well, uh-huh. people don't often live past 95 or, you know, sure, it, sure, it's sure. a decreasing age. And so... We have fewer people in there and more in their 50s. Mm -hmm. But overall, we have pretty much almost 10% all the way across the board, which is huge to say we have capacities. And so we looked at that and we looked at 
giving trends, but not just within our congregation, giving trends in North America. Okay. And looked at the larger kind of economic status. And one of the things that any major giving donor, planner, person is going to talk to people about right now, and this is across any 501c3, any not-for-profit industry, is that the wealth accumulated by those who are of the builder generation, so those who are 80 and above right now, maybe 70 and above, mostly 80 and above, the wealth that they accumulated, people in their 20s and 30s will never have the opportunity to accumulate that same kind of wealth in their lifetimes. kind of shocking and kind of sad. It is, but it's realistic. Sure. Right? Looking at this kind of information isn't exciting or fun. No. It can be really depressing, and it's really important. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to my financial planner. Exactly. It's never fun. It's not fun. It needs to be done. And very important that it be done. And so when we're looking at this and we understand that People of the builder generation were able to buy a home in Mm -hmm. Portland for Mm $4,000. And you equate that out across inflation, and maybe that's $25,000. And they then own that home from the time they're in their mid-20s until they leave their home in their 90s. And all of that wealth from the home ownership has grown over those decades. Mm -hmm. Well, now... People aren't buying their first home until they're in their 40s or 50s. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe they were like me, and maybe they bought their first home in their late 20s, early 30s, but it was 2008, and so they lost all of that. Mm-hmm. And now we're a decade down the road from foreclosure and bankruptcy and unable to do anything until we rebuild again. And so that because of where these younger generations were within the timeline and our capacity to garner wealth, we will never have the kind of wealth and giving capacity, even when we're in our 70s and 80s, -hmm. just because of how the economics has worked in our country. And so what this means for -for not-for-profit industry and churches Uh is that we have about another five to 10 years before the members of that generation who have been able to accumulate some large amounts of wealth uh-huh, have passed on, have either passed away uh-huh. or moved into medical care facilities. Mm, oh, it's very expensive to get old and die in this country. Exactly. Or moved into a nursing home, have intensive care needs. Mm-hmm. And so their financial and their capacity to give drastically decreases. Mm-hmm. And so looking at that and understanding that in our congregation, for every one household in their 70s or 80s, it will take 10 households in their 30s Wow! to be able to reach the same giving potential. 10 to 1. That's amazing. We need to look in these next five years to say, okay, realistically. Mm-hmm. If we are having a difficult time sustaining our programs and our facility and everything as we are financially, it's not going to get any better. 10 years from now, we're up a creek. Mm -hmm. And if we don't take the hard look at it right now, we may not have the capacities. We may not be as hopeful. Mm -hmm. We may not be as trusting of one another. We may have been cutting back a little bit here and cutting back a little bit there and starting to live in scarcity and starting to be scared. 
And so we won't be as creative and as hopeful in looking at solutions. And so I think that's where this kind of stuff comes from. As people who are trying to be good stewards of the resources that we have been given. I mean, I honestly have two or three planned giving recruitment folks who send me cold emails a week. Okay. Have you talked to your members about their planned giving? (laughs) Do you know if you're in their will? These next five to 10 years are critical to, right? Because this is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And this is not about taking advantage of people in their 70s and 80s. This is about being aware that resources will be shifting dramatically in the next 10 years. Okay, so where does one go with this knowledge? Hopefully, one doesn't get too scared. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And recognizes that God has been with us all along. Sure. And that these kinds of changes and shifts have happened for generations among God's people. And the do not be afraid, God is with us. Mm -hmm. Let us be creative. And so where we have chosen to go with it as a congregation is to take this information. Council received it about four or five months ago and has been sitting with it and praying about it and recognizing the meaning of it for us and then has brought it to the congregation to say, we need to have some house meetings. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about what does this mean? Because we have a whole host of options ahead of us. Thousands of different pathways we could go, as does any congregation in this day and age. We have lots of different ways that we could react to this information. My challenge to our congregation has been, let's look to 25 and 50 years from now. I don't want us to look at getting through the next five years Mm -hmm. or getting through the next 10 years and making sure that we've made the most out of this opportunity. That's not my goal. My goal is that in 25 years When the five and six and seven-year-olds in our congregation, Uh if they're still around or if they've come back and they're sitting on council, that they're not having the exact same conversations we are. If they have to sit and spend half an hour talking about the stinking boiler Uh again Uh in 25 years, I have not done my job today. Okay. So how much harder is this to do in an urban setting or a rural setting? And how much does the building itself play into all this? I think facilities play into it. Okay. And I don't know. I have only served in not urban. I mean, this is an urban parish, but my other parishes were kind of medium-sized town. They weren't rural. They weren't deeply rural communities. Like my colleagues in North Dakota and South Dakota Mm -hmm. serve rural communities, which is very different. But I think that these kinds of conversations probably happen all over the world through the centuries. Yeah, and I'm thinking this one specifically, I don't think anybody in Portland itself knows where this town is going to be in 25 to 50 years. Absolutely. So how do you plan that far ahead effectively? I don't know that you can ever plan that far ahead effectively. Okay. We talk to our financial planners who make our own plans, but there's a certain amount of, yeah, we'll do the best we can with what we think might happen. Okay. So you're basically looking for a best-case scenario path. Yes, and keeping in mind the host of information that we have. Okay. I mean, the host of information we have are things like socioeconomic status of the area, trends within the North American Christianity in general. We can take a look at the Pew Report. 
and the trend of leaving congregations and not joining mainline congregations. Are you looking ELCA specific or are you looking wider? You can do both. Okay. And you'll get the same information. So interesting. Okay. That's the thing is this is not something that's happening at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland. Okay. This is not just something that's happening in the ELCA tradition. This is something that's happening across North America, Mm -hmm. across Christianity, across ecumenical lines. Okay. And because of that, I think that's another piece to kind of take a look at. We're never going to be able to totally plan for 50 years ahead and know that we got it spot on, (laughs) Uh right? The folks who had the dream of building this building in 1950, they couldn't know what impact that would have on us Mm -hmm. 68 years later, right? They could dream, they could dream of building a facility that housed them and their families and would be a gift to future generations. And they did that. They created an incredible facility that has blessed generations. And there are plenty of other buildings like this one built in the mid-century that have been wonderful blessings. And 68 years later, we have to look forward and say, what kind of a gift or burden are we leaving for our kids to maintain in 25 years and our grandkids to walk with in 50 years Mm -hmm. so that in 68 years, when this building is almost 150 years old, Mm -hmm. that we've either set them up for success at the halfway point or we've let go so as not to drown them Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the halfway point, right? And then you can start adding all the intersectional pieces onto there. You can start talking about, well, what is climate change going to be doing? Sure. If that generation is going to be seeing the effects of climate change in a large way, what changes do we need to make now to help them in 25 years? Our boiler is going out here. We have decisions to make. Mm -hmm. What will climate control within a building, heating and cooling, what kind of an effect will they need in 25 years? Now, technology is going to be different, and technology is always going to grow. I was going to say, you're starting to overwhelm me, and we're just having a conversation (laughs) one-on-one. I cannot imagine (laughs) what this is like in a group setting. It's hard. Oh, yeah. This is hard stuff, and it's not even touching on, like, your emotional connectivity to the space. (laughs) Sure. Because as much as you've said in the past that the church is not the building, it's the people. Totally. For many, it really feels still like a building. Absolutely. And the facility is a tremendous part of understanding and defining. Mm -hmm. So all of this to say that congregations that do this work, it is a thing of bravery. Sure. To step into it. And we need to be doing it, not doing it. What I said in the congregational meeting is it would be irresponsible of me. Sure. To not call this question at this point in time, having received this data and knowing this information to not share it out with the congregation and give them the opportunity for the congregation would be negligent on my part. It doesn't mean that we are better than anyone else if they're not doing this work. I don't Mm -hmm. want that to be the case, but we have a facility that is a substantial financial burden. And if our finances are going to be changing in the next decade, then we need to take a good hard look at that. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? And what creative ways, while we're so hopeful and excited, 
what are the creative solutions to this? Because there could be a million of them I would never think of that are going to be so incredible and bring such life. And I have no doubt of that. Like I have no doubt that in the house meetings that we're going to be having, Mm -hmm. there will be ideas that will be so phenomenally exciting. Well, that was going to be my next question. Once you have broached the subject of we're planning for the future, what steps do you take next? Because that is a very overwhelming topic. Yeah, it is. And how do you tackle it and actually drive a path through? That's such a good question. And we fall back on the community organizing model. Okay. Where we take a look at what are the pressures that we're facing And so I would say that one of the pressures that this congregation is facing is the large bills that come in for the facility maintenance. If Mm -hmm. we didn't have those pressures, our ministry and the way that our staff functions would look quite different. Okay. That's the pressure that we've identified. And so then we run an action and we say, okay, let's have house meetings. Let's talk to each other about what this facility is and what it could be and how we could imagine things and what do we wonder about it. And then we'll have those conversations and then maybe we'll come up with an action that we'll do together Mm -hmm. and we'll run that action and we'll try it. We'll say, okay, well, maybe there's been absolutely no decision made. So if you're a central Lutheran listener and you hear me give this example, this does not mean that this is any way what we're going to do. Okay. But this is generally speaking to folks out there who are also not central Lutheran members. Because we do have folks who listen. This Mm -hmm. is a good thing for any organization. So we've identified our pressure. We're having conversations together. Now we're going to run an action. Maybe we're going to spend six months in clearly making certain that we know who all of our building partners are and get them with a buy-in to maybe launch a capital campaign. Okay. And we run that and we see if in those six months we have success and if there's buy-in. And then if there is, then we move forward with a capital campaign. If we don't have success, then we go back and we review and we say, okay, why didn't that work? Uh-huh. What's going on here that this didn't work? We didn't have buy-in. Okay. So we have to go back and say, is this the pressure that people are really caring about? Okay. And then you start the cycle over again. So by doing that, by trusting that rhythm, you can find a way through big, large questions and big, large groups. And it's not going to take 25 years to answer this question? Oh, it'll probably take three to five. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. This is not an, we're going to have a decision by December or we're going to know what we're doing in May. Mm -hmm. This is a, we are opening up this conversation. Council has had this information for four months. I probably had it for six. This is not a fast moving thing. Mm -hmm. It's church time. It's church time and it's big decision stuff. Sure. You know, in the same way that, yes, you can meet someone and get married within a month. That's not typical. It's not typical. Buying a house, you know, just pick the first one usually. Usually. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, Yeah. And it's possible. But typically, people take a while to make those kinds of life-altering big decisions. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, it takes us a while just to find a new dishwasher, (laughs) (laughs) let alone anything bigger or smaller. And so when it comes to a whole community, I think it's really a beautiful thing when we find ways to have the big conversations together. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about the process so far. Each piece around here has been falling into place. And that's part of how we kind of get this affirmation that we're on the right path. Things are falling into place. People are participating. People are showing up. 
And if they didn't, like if no one had showed up to the congregational meeting on Sunday. Well, that's part of your answer too, right there, right? Precisely. If no one signs up for the house meetings, right? Or if no one could have held house meetings, Mm -hmm. those are all indicators of the state of the big group for making big decisions. So far, we're doing good. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a 25 to 50 year plan. Let me ask you this, Mm -hmm. because I know typically within a Lutheran church, the pastor does not stay 25 to 50 years. Correct. How much does that affect your planning or not at all? It will affect some. Okay. I think that to say it doesn't affect, it shouldn't affect it at all is a bit naive. Mm -hmm. Here's how I think it affects it. One of the strengths that we have right now and the reasons why now is a great time for us to have these conversations is I've been here for five years Mm -hmm. as the pastor. And so trust has been built with the formal identified leader, regardless of me and my capacities and who I am as a leader, Mm -hmm. the trust has been built that things have been going on well enough and that people believe that the leadership of this congregation has the congregation's best at heart. Uh huh. If you have a brand new pastor, that trust hasn't been built yet. Yeah. It's a little different. It takes a year or two to mm-hmm. build that trust up. And that's not to say the next person wouldn't be an incredibly brilliant and gifted person. It's just that it takes some time to build that trust. Well, and you're also testing the waters in terms of what that person's vision is because the next person to come through may have a very different path it's very possible and i would hope and this is maybe just me being hopeful (laughs) and not naive (laughs) and not naive i would hope that one if a congregation is in the midst of this kind of planning and conversation that an incoming pastor would one both be selected selected Mm -hmm. with an eye for that vision Mm -hmm. and would be on board with it in a supportive role. So trust the process of the call, right? And pay attention to it. Sure. And don't get swayed by the pretty. Okay. Right. It's really, really easy in a call process to be like, hmm, let's give Miss America pageant answers. And then we're going to get a Miss America pageant pastor. And then we're all going to get swayed by the pretty shiny. And -hmm. really we're down in the muck. And we need someone who's really good at digging. (laughs) Sure. So that's challenging to say, but I would really hope that if there were a pastoral change mid-process of this kind of visioning and execution of a vision, that there would be a good pairing, that the pastor would be chosen to fit the vision and that the pastor would come in supporting that vision. Mm -hmm. And I think my bias... Mm -hmm is that this kind of vision needs to come from the people. Well, that makes sense. Period. I will tip my hand in my bias that when a pastor sets a vision like this and then gets people on board with it, rather than it coming from the people, that can get really dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I have to watch that in myself, right? I can certainly imagine a future. I can certainly set a vision and set a path. but, But if I do that and force people to come along with me, then say, God forbid, something did happen to me and I couldn't be here to find my way through and I've saddled the congregation with what I think is right when it's not of their hearts. One, they're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Two, that wasn't very faithful to their calling. So in the best way, when it comes from among the people, strikes a spark in the leadership's heart of excitement 
then the vision is easier to bring to fruition. Okay. And if there's a change in formal leadership, it won't rock the boat that much because the informal leadership and the heart of the place will still beat with the hope of that vision. All right. This is going to lead me to my last question of what really are the chances of the changes going through being effective? (laughs) I don't know. I think, is this where I come back to with God, all things are possible? Like it seems impossible to us, but with God, all things are possible. Or is just the act of going through this enough to put you on a path where good things can happen? I think it's a both and. Okay. I don't know. I've been so struck by this image of the young ruler who goes to Jesus and and is asked to give up everything, and he goes away grieving because he has many possessions. And it's that whole passage from three or four weeks ago in our scripture and on our Sunday worship. I just look at this and I say, you know, for me, this kind of work feels impossible. Mm -hmm. Like to give up the things that need to be given up and to pick up the things that need to be picked up and to hold it all together and to keep the good of 50 years from now in my hands and in my heart instead of what's really easier right this second, that all can feel so impossible. Mm -hmm. And that particular scripture section ends with, to us, it feels impossible, but for God, all things are possible. And it's the first time that I've interacted with that kind of cross-stitch pillow sure. phrase, <laughs> scripture verse that feels like it has deep integrity. I don't know how all of this is going to come together, and I don't know exactly what it's going to bring, but I think raising the questions and having the conversations, the uncomfortable, hard conversations... Being afraid together and being hopeful together and being courageous together is in and of itself a foundation that will serve this congregation in 50 years. And so I don't know what the likelihood is that we will build a vision and we will follow through on every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think the likelihood of us learning how to be courageous Christians together is really high. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about how congregations can look ahead and plan for their future. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. If your congregation is going through this kind of visioning or organization is going through this kind of visioning, you have our prayers and solidarity for the hard work that is ahead. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Leave us a review on iTunes or reach us on our own webpage at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.